0: Every offering of grace is a promise that your sin does not define you eternally. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast. On evangelization, my name is Mike Gomer Gormley, and I am joined by Dave, proudful self exaltation Van Vickle. How you doing, Dave? <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay, but I don't. I that, that was ad hominem. That name. That was. That was. Yeah. That was. I'm always. <laughs> well, I'm always in, in favor of a good ad hominem attack. <laughs> I'm, I'm. I'm just
1: wondering what from our pre-show conversation brought up the fact that you think I'm. I'm so prideful. Oh well, and, I don't know. And now Any that I'm getting so of offensive, now, now offended <laughs> yeah. by it, then you're like, well, this might be the problem.
0: I think we have issues. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. I'm doing good. Hey, the you know the nice part, like the nice weather days of Pittsburgh. There's like four of them. That's it. But they're, I'm in it right now, and so that's I'm happy. Like it's. So what are you doing? What are you doing? Well, doing some jazzercise outside. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, jazzercise I'm using my hammer a lot. My new hammer. That's getting a lot of use.
0: And your, uh, are your shoulders uh healed up from the first go round? No, with go
1: I literally I <laughs> I hate getting old. This is awful. I feel like I have the flu. That's the way I feel from starting to lift again. It's awful. I feel like I have the flu. Um, anyways, nobody wants to hear about that. But at night, you know, it's like cool. And so I have my fire going, I've got my books out. It's it's been so nice, you know.
0: So you're living the romantic scholar lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, as romantic as it can get because <sighs> You know, I've got still got
1: kids and everything like that. You know, so it's like you know, I I love that aspect, but it's hard to read a page without having to go in and do something. Yeah. You know?
0: Dad, 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 he hit me. Yeah. Dad. Oh my like, god! Take
1: care of yourselves. No,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're on your own. Here's an iPad, digital babysitter. <laughs> um, what are you reading now? What
1: what what books are you reading? Yeah. Um. Uh, well, last night I had a webinar on Angels 101. So I did. So I've been reading. Um. Jean Donalou on angels. I've been reading, um, there's a new book on angels called his angels at our side by father Horgan. That's excellent. I was reading Deacon Boudon, which is uh devotions to the nine choirs of angels. And, and there's a new one out from, uh, like the Thomistic Institute called angels and demons. Uh, his last name is Bonino. I don't know exactly who he is, but it's excellent. And my big book that I'm reading right now is, Charles Journay's The Meaning of Evil. Why are you getting angry at me? You asked me what I was I, reading.
0: No, you tilted your laptop oh. down and I was just staring oh, at you. I literally have, have a pile muscles. of books. I have a
1: pile <laughs> oh, and of books and I was <laughs> reading the names. Yeah, because I
0: and meanwhile, I'm, I'm watching <laughs> you on video and I'm like, okay, well, I can see your desk <laughs> and your pecs. This is awkward. <laughs> oh, this is awkward. So, what was that last book? What was that uh, last Charles
1: Journay's the, the Meaning of Evil. I'm becoming, I'm becoming a big Journay guy now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I okay, so taking all those novel theology guys. I am absolutely loving Louis Boyer. Oh, me too. And he is so- he, he has yeah, he has a uh, uh oh gosh, uh forms of Protestantism. Yeah. That's one of Incredible. the best quotes ever, yeah. Ever. And the bu- the beautiful thing is he used to be reformed, so Calvinist. And then he became a Catholic priest and all this good stuff, but when he when he writes of the Protestant whether it's Luther or Calvin or whomever, He is so charitable and positive. You can tell he has a great love for the traditions that he came from because he gave him Christ. Absolutely. You You can tell that drips off every page. And then when he goes into the critique, um, I think he does it in all charity and justice. I I just I'm in love with that man. Yeah, he's amazing. And he is. I have not read one of his books that I've been disappointed in yet.
1: Not one. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. His theology of the church is so, so good. It's amazing i haven't i haven't gotten so that yet. Haven't gotten well the book you're talking about if people are looking for it, it's the spirit and forms of protestantism that's the, that's yeah, it oh i'm so sorry All right i just wanted
0: them to be able to find it because i'm so excited <laughs> about that about him. yeah i also ordered um uh i also ordered two new two new books they're in the mail one is on bioethics and the other one is on oh shoot i can't remember what it's on and I'm so excited about these books too. I was like, well, they're 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 dissert. One was a dissertation, so you know it's obscenely expensive. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> I like, know. and the Kindle version is thirty one dollars, right. and you're like, why? Right. Why? I you know. literally did no work. Yeah. Anywho, um, but uh, I'm excited to get those. But uh, right now, I've just finished, or I'm going back through Who's Justice, Which Rationality by Alistair McIntyre. Yeah. And every time, every time I crack Alistair McIntyre. My heart goes pitter patter. I learn. I don't learn something new. I learn millions truckloads of truckloads new. <laughs> oh, wow. and it's so shocking. So a buddy of mine at at my work, um, Brian Jones on uh, Catching Foxes. We interviewed him. He's the interview with a peeping tomist. Um, he did a. Uh, that was the name of the. It's ah, oh, it's a book from Ralph McInerney. Um But he uh, (laughs) we're going to do a podcast for the parish on liturgy because he's our parish liturgist. Cool. So even even though he has no background in liturgy, uh, we're going to do a podcast on it. And the first season is going to be entirely on the philosophical underpinnings of elements of the liturgy. So like we're going to talk about um, why we need why we have a body, why we need senses, like all that stuff, why, how they all interplay? It's community. Good. It's
1: going to be really awesome for me and the other five people who are going to listen to it.
0: Yes, yes, but we're <laughs> going to do it in such a way that it'll have mass appeal, and we'll become millionaires. Oh wow! Well, that works. That works great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's my plan. My plan is step one: go viral. <laughs> i literally i literally met a catholic radio guy who was like we're gonna start this new internet streaming company it's gonna be amazing blah 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 and i said well that's awesome so what's like your business model he's like well we have all these shows already lined up and so our you know blah 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 step one get all the programming going and then step two is to go viral and i was like how do you how is that (laughs) party right literally literally your plan could just as just be uh wishful thinking exactly and then right. breaking money oh that's funny
1: that is funny <laughs> what do the
0: military say hope is not a plan Ooh, i like it i like it when you bring military stuff in you're welcome you're welcome speaking of military what's our show topic for today <laughs> i'm just kidding it's nothing to do with. well anything. we're gonna talk about sin right i mean yeah breaking down the charisma is very important like we did, you know, two or three shows on atonement theology, uh, which the other book I'm reading is the Catholic doctrine of atonement written in the 1800s. It's awesome. Don't you don't you put your head in your hands? It is. awesome. No, no. I'm getting slowly um, addicted to it because of you. <laughs> so I picked up one. <laughs> I picked is. up
1: what is redemption by, you know, Philippe of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. And I that really it rocked me for sure. Yeah, so.
0: there are there are a lot of really good books that are out there yeah. on redemption. Okay and uh oh it's just so good it's so good i got um uh gergory lagrange's uh the what is it the death of christ and the love of oh, god oh that the, is the best book the yeah. the cross of christ and the love no the love of god and the cross of jesus christ yeah that's it. I that's love it. that book okay i haven't gone through it yet but i, I scanned I, every time i get a book i'm just like crack the spine read the table of contents yeah. flip to a chapter that looks interesting read the first couple of paragraphs yeah. Oh, it's exciting. It's exciting. But anyway, today we're going to talk about sin because we need to look at sin, understand our concepts of sin, address areas of sin in people's lives in order to give them freedom. And one of the things that I was reading lately uh, on the whole pro-choice uh, politicians and whether or not we should deny them communion and all the things someone made a very good point. I believe it was Ed Condon at, at the pillar Catholic, but in his comments on it, when he was reading the reactions of largely Democrat uh, representatives and and politicians, basically who were Catholic and daring their local bishop, a like guy in California dared uh, Gomez to Archbishop Gomez to deny him, him communion. The fascinating thing is, Ed Condon pointed out, it's not like they don't have an understanding of abortion and Catholicism. It's that they clearly have no understanding of sin. Right. And the reality of sin. And I've been thinking about that a lot because this has come up. I had um, a a wonderful teenager come up and ask me a bunch of questions about the faith. And one of those questions was like, why do I have the right to tell people how to live their lives or to tell them that something they're doing is wrong? And I, you know, you can draw analogies. The easiest analogy with sin is drugs because it's so blatant, so addictive, so destructive, and it's very apparent. And I was like, but that's what all sin is like, right? So why don't we take a little bit and just talk about today, have the topic that everyone loves to hear, which is on sin. What do you think about that, Dave? Yeah, I'm okay with that. I I do think, you know,
1: something that you just said, I, I don't want to push back on it, but I think. There is an interesting because I, I was reading these responses too. I've been reading a lot of responses by even by friends about this whole yeah. idea, and this is what I think is so interesting about it. I I'm really having a hard time getting over this. How many people are saying, "Well, no, you know, the Eucharist is food for the the hurting, okay, or food yeah. for the wounded, or food, whatever, food for yeah,
0: food, bread for the weary, bread for the
1: weary," and. You know, I don't know, do, or do they realize that that implies there's a problem there? Do you know what I mean? Like when they say yeah. like, oh, so you're just going to cut all sinners away from the Eucharist, that they're saying, okay, so you're admitting that this is sinful. Do yeah. you know what I mean? I thought that was, I, I think that's really interesting. So like they have no problem drawing the line somewhere. Mm-hmm. Anyways, you know, I, I've been thinking about this a lot because I feel for these people. I really feel awful for them because... If you don't understand the character of the sacrament, how do you expect to ever improve? And I think you're right that for the most part, the, the biggest problem is they have no understanding of sin. I also think that there are some who understand sin, who admit it kind of like what I mentioned and have no understand, understanding of how sin affects our eternal soul, right? Like that, yeah. that they, don't, they don't really have a belief that anyone's going to keep them from anything. So why why worry about sin? It's just kind of like a known quantity, like, well, that's just a problem in the world. Sin is there, and there's nothing we can do about it, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of it also goes to our lack of reality of what God has promised us in Christ Jesus. Like, what is the rewards of eternal life? What does it mean to follow Christ? What does it mean to inherit that which belongs to Christ because now we're in Christ, right? And I've said this a long time. We don't get mortal sin and its gravity because we don't get the promises of God, Yeah, right? We don't get—we don't understand— what the promise is, I'm so, and so I'm, we don't know what we're losing i'm so
1: glad you're saying this because i was just thinking about this last night i sit on my deck at like one in the morning looking at the stars okay and I, <laughs> it's such a romantic scholar. and i was thinking about how 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 people have no understanding whatsoever sure they have no understanding of sin but they have even less of understanding of what it means to reject sin so as to live in the freedom of God's children. Okay. And and mm-hmm. what I mean by that is we have not been given a chance. Now, moderns have not been given a chance. Gomer, can you think about a time in your life? I'm sure you can. I have these situations where maybe you were forced to almost live off the grid. Maybe it was a retreat setting, maybe it was like camping or something like that, and you felt mm-hmm. freer than you've ever felt in your life. For some oh, yeah. for some people, it's mission trips. For some people, it's, and it's like a glimpse of what life could be like, and I'm realizing that we have never given our children a chance to experience that kind of liberty, the Christian liberty that we should all experience. And so if you've never had that chance, you don't know what's out there for you. So I agree with you 100%. We do not understand the promises of God. We do not understand what God wants to give us, and so we're, we're just okay with living captive.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we are. We become comfortable in our chains. And that's why the Exodus narrative is so important for Catholics to understand. Because, I mean, think about what I heard uh, Anglican theologian N.T. Wright, right? He was talking about the very understanding, the self-understanding of Israel was we are a people born in captivity. And Yahweh is our Redeemer. Right. So whenever you hear the word Redeemer, it is that he whom buys us out of slavery frees us from captivity. So, if you start with that understanding and then you apply it to our Christian walk, original sin makes so much of sense. I am born into a life of servitude, slavery, and a state of disinheritance. That's original sin. I didn't commit it, it's not applied to me as an actual sin, but very but much I bear the there. consequences. Right. But the bondage is there. And so when we walk in that knowledge, right, when we understand that I'm a king or queen who has been dethroned and I went along with the dethronement, right? Yeah. So there are elements, and this is the funny thing. So if I'm a king or queen, I know I am destined for more. I am made for greatness. I'm made for more. But how that often gets manifested in a fallen heart is give me more or I'm better than you. Right And it becomes this distortion where our native nobility becomes an excuse to be prideful and arrogant, which is the exact opposite of what's supposed to be, because we didn't crown ourselves. it was gift, it was gift, it was gift we didn't earn it, we just received it, and that when we look at original sin, the disobedience at the very heart of Adam and Eve's transgression becomes that which Christ has to take into himself and transform with his absolute complete to the end obedience yes even death on a cross that's why hebrews says he learned son though he was he learned obedience through what he suffered we talk about like when you read the lives of the saints like uh i think it was saint Teresa of avila would say that when she'd pray the our father she couldn't get past the word hour sometimes for like a whole you know an hour she would meditate on the word hour um for me that scripture verse son though he was he learned obedience through what he suffered Like, you take that and you combine it with the other famous obedience passage in Romans 5, Adam's disobedience, the uh, you know, Christ's obedience, and you just marinate. You could marinate in that for the rest of your life. That is a weekend retreat, that phrase. Yeah. Um, And so looking at sin as willful disobedience— Willful rebellion, prodigal son selling, you know, Esau selling your birthright, Israel, bo- slaves born in captivity. Like all of these analogies that come from the Old Testament take a razor sharp focus when we encounter Christ in the new. Yeah. The, the, uh,
1: I I I'm so I'm so happy that we're having this conversation now. When you when you kind of pitched this, I was like, I don't know, you know. But now I'm re- <laughs> you
0: really weren't that excited about. Yeah, it.
1: <laughs> I was like, now I'm really happy we're having this conversation because it's true. It's just uh, there is a reality that we're living in right now that we don't know what normal is, and I think that a, a major issue is, and I see this even. It's funny how like the attitude towards sin has crept into the attitude towards just potentiality that like we're making these trade-offs you know where well how much sin how much vice how much bondage is acceptable like where we're saying this okay do you see this in the secular culture where there's a whole morality being built around well i want to have freedom and their their idea of freedom is time health these kinds of things. So they're building a morality around that. And it's basically like, let me put this balance out. Let me get this balance out and I'm going to put pleasure on one side and discipline on the other. And I'm going to find the perfect life there, you know? And, And it's so opposite of what we see in the scriptures, right? That we're supposed to lay aside every encumbrance of sin. And that, and, and even like in the old testament, right, when when you have the harem warfare, right? When when God commands uh the Israelites to to or, or the the Hebrews at that time, right, to go into you know Can, uh Canaan and destroy every living thing, basically, okay, that is an analogy for sin and that that we aren't supposed to live with any bit of it, you know, with any bit of it. And when you think about it culturally, when you think about harem warfare, what 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 they are saying is, look, this is an evil culture, and we can't let any of it seep into ours because it's dangerous. Sin is the same way that we're letting it seep so much into our lives, and we're getting out that scale where we're saying, okay, well, how much sin is gonna, is can I live with? How much sin is gonna limit my freedom? You know, and and then and we're kind of playing this game but it doesn't work that way it's more of an infection than it is a backpack you know that you know how much do i want to carry
0: yeah i I like that analogy because the insidiousness of sin is more like an infection and you don't say well how much gangrene do i want to live with right Right? how much uh you know rot do i want to have how much frostbite can i deal with right you want to get it gone you want to get it and completely get rid of it completely and i think the proper understanding of this is, you know, you look at the analogy of Exodus as God is calling them up out of Egypt. What happens when they're in the wilderness? Yeah. The moment suffering engages their hearts, they cry out for the flesh pots of Egypt. Right. And, the, you know, they had food. They had comfort. They had pleasure. And even though it was horrible and they knew they wanted freedom right that interior nobility cried out for freedom right, and it and it always will always will and it always will it always will i think that's you know almost like that pandora's box like the last thing that won't like you can have all the pleasures and indulgences of the world but when you're not free you're like yeah but i'm still dissatisfied yeah, right of course so they kept longing for They longed for the pleasures that they had secured, even in the bondage that they were oppressed by, and they kept returning to that. They returned to, and, and it's funny, their response to their longing for the flesh pots of Egypt, one is to murmur against Moses, God's anointed, two is to question God, but then three is idolatry, right? Three is idolatry. They make the golden calf. This is the God who brought us out of Egypt, and it's amazing because then what did they do? They worshipped a golden bull calf, which is money and power, and then they made revelry. You know, <laughs> right. like, there's war in the camp. Yeah. No, that's not war. That if you like a spicy liturgy, uh, the Canaanite sexual liturgies is exactly what they were engaging yeah. in. And so, I, I the the thing that David said, it is all out total war against sin. I would say two things. Number one, uh, Dom Scopoli's spiritual combat. Love it. And brother Jonathan of the Oratory, Spiritual Combat Revisited, yeah. are uh, two books that I think are excellent to kind of guide you in this mentality without becoming a wacko extremist. But also, what I've seen is people who are like, "Yes, I want to get rid of the sin," and you are demoralized in your inability to conquer a certain what me and Dave uh, what they've called the besetting sin, or the Catholic tradition calls a besetting. Yeah, sin. don't say we. When you that's like an old uh, tradition well, I in the church. I know, but I mean like we as in the royal we. Uh, <laughs> <'cause> <laughs> you you I'm and the Gomer trinity. <laughs> Me and the trinity. <laughs> we're yeah. um, I No, but we, uh, we in the Catholic tradition called the besetting sin. For many of you, let's just say the common one, pornography, right? Many people are so caught up in the slavery and bondage to pornography that they get so absolutely demoralized. And they're like, I'm trying to do everything and yet... Here I am still sucking it. So uh, I would say if you're stuck in these sins, especially the besetting sin, and you want to commit yourself to the, to the all-out warfare against sin, realize that it took you 30 years of indulging in the sin. It's not going to go away right. overnight because you really, really, really emotionally want it to. Yeah. And you're listening to this talk. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, what you have to realize is the the warfare is town by town, block by block, street by street, House by house. Eliminate. I'm a big fan everything. of everything. Right. Yeah, yeah. And uh just yesterday, Dave, uh, I've been doing the Letio Continua with my kids. Cool. We have a children's Bible. Okay. I've I i do not know why. I've never done this. Pray the scriptural rosary, sure, but I haven't done a Letio Continua. And uh one of my kids is uh pretty anti Christian <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, I like Literally didn't want to get uh, a, a book of fairy tales from Hans Christian Andersen because it had the word Christian in it. <laughs> and my my wife is like, uh, that's his name. And she's like, okay, whatever. And I'm like, oh my gosh, such an attitude from a nine-year-old. Yeah, right, uh, right. But um, so I've been reading the Gospels, Gospel of Mark, the Good News Translation, Children's Bible from St. Mary's Press. And I've been just reading a chapter at a time. And yesterday was... If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your foot causes you to sin, better to go into life maimed than go to hell with everything intact. And I said, what does that mean? And then my daughter goes, well, what if your mouth causes you to sin? How do you cut that off? And <laughs> that She's awesome. I She really is. Yeah. She really is. And I said, so does your hand cause you to sin or do you sin using your hand and your feet and your eye? You're like, yeah, you sin. I said, so is Jesus speaking literally or using hyperbole? And they're like, what's hyperbole? I was like, oh, gosh, Ugh, stupid six-year-olds. But we go through it. But that's the, that's this radical view, right? Like, So we, me and Shannon just spent about five minutes max saying, what are some things that might cause you to sin and how can you cut out? So if you watch TV and it leads you to be angry with your sister or talk back to your mom, you got to cut it out. Right. Well, how do I cut out a TV? You stop watching it. We unplug it. We turn off the internet because all of our TV is internet TV, right? So it's things like that that we have to look at what the Catholic tradition calls, what we call the occasions of sin, the near occasions, remote occasions. There is so much psychological power in these old, quote unquote, old concepts that we need to revisit.
1: Okay, so you brought us into a perfect segue into what I want to transition into, but first I want to make a correction.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes, sir. You
1: know I'm not a critical person, certainly not with you, Gomer. But <laughs> pornography isn't a besetting sin. It would be lust that is the besetting sin, and that's an important thing to remember. Okay, but here's what I want to say. <sighs> what was so uh, so telling? I'm
0: sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's, it's, I can't hear you over the hairs you keep splitting. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, the,
1: uh, the the second thing I want to say is there is myriads of literature from. The 1900s to 19, let's say, 50s on this particular topic, like self-knowledge, uh, self-distrust, these kind of things, there is lots of literature. So look, look for it. There's a lot of good stuff. Uh, spiritual combat would be one of the classical ones, but there's a lot of stuff out there that helps with this particular topic on the besetting sin. Now, I'm so glad you brought up this whole thing with doing this with your family. Because I think the parent analogy, well, in your case, it's not an analogy. It's, a, it's, it's real, okay? But it applies to when sin becomes cultural and structural. That, for yeah. instance, like when I see that the television is what's causing my children, well, obviously, it's not causing my children's sin, but what television is a near occasion of sin, I'm not expecting my th- four-year-old to turn the television off, right? Right. I Mm -hmm. am the person who has to do this, and I think that this is a problem for the church that we've allowed structures of sin to build in our church, and oftentimes it can be as simple as uh, one of our favorite priests, you you and I, I'm not going to even mention his name, but but one of the guys that we loved so much in college, he told me that one of his first assignments was um, at this parish where he walked in one day and he literally heard the two secretaries screaming at each other at the top of his lungs at the top of their lungs and that there were parishioners like lined up to talk to them and that they were having this huge argument and that he came in and he was like oh my gosh what is going on and he was just the assistant pastor and they said what are you talking about this happens every day we fight every single day and he was like i would fire you immediately if i had heard this if i were the pastor and what he realizes in this parish it was like a structure of sin had been built where anger was just okay like it started with something small and the pastor did not deal with it and this structure of sin and what happens often is sin sin structures start in subculture form where mm. it's very sarcastic right and the sarcasm builds a subculture and the subculture takes over the actual culture where yeah. you're making these you know these sarcastic statements well you know i'm i'm always here on time and this person's here you know five you're always here on your time or something like that and yeah. it becomes more and more real and it becomes the real culture and it it that subculture takes over the real culture and you have this situation where sin has become a culture this happens in families this happens in seminaries it happens in parishes it happens all over and we have to be so careful about that because we have to destroy every not just every sin, but every near occasion of sin, we want to go after it and combat
0: it. Oh man, that's fascinating. Yeah. That is fascinating because I know exactly what you're talking about. I have been in environments where you felt like their air conditioner was kicked on to, you know, yeah. like I, yeah. because of the iciness in the office. Right. And this is how we always do it. That's how he always is. That's how she always is. And at some point, it became I would. It probably starts off, I don't know how to have a conflict, I don't know how to have a a difficult conversation, but then it becomes tacit approval. Right. Right, And that's when sin sinks its dark roots into more than just that person's... you know, that individual person's life. And that's when it, it becomes the ripple effect becomes damning. Now, one of the reasons why we want to take sin seriously is not because we want to become sin obsessed, but because we want to become freedom obsessed. We want to become Christ obsessed. We want to become grace obsessed. Freedom when obsessed. Abounds, we should get a t shirt. That'd be awesome. Ooh, I'm Fre- obsessed with freedom. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, <laughs> freedom from obsessions is my only obsession. Uh, Ooh. <laughs> Someone tweet that. Someone tweet that right now. Um, but when we talk about sin, let's get down to, like, the brass tacks of, of what individual sin actually is. Because in knowing our enemy, only then can we defeat it, right? Sure. So we always want to make a careful distinction between sins and mistakes, between sins and um, vices, you know, failings. Huh? Vices? Yeah, well, vices would be habitual sin. Mm, classically
1: uh, speaking?
0: Kind yeah. Of maybe.
1: What? Maybe. What? no what? i mean oh, there are gosh. Things like Here we go like smoking <laughs>
0: smoking would be a vice but it would not you, okay assume- okay <laughs> okay let, let let's address this right now this is where the modern culture co-ops a classic definition for something like a vice okay i get what you're saying you you mean vice like miami vice i mean vice like as in vicious as in that which opposes the virtue for evil did that just happen <laughs> yeah it's funny but 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 I, I think there's a careful distinction that we can make because me and you were talking a little bit earlier about, um, you know, kind of like the pre-sex abuse scandal, you know, off mic. And we were talking about different things. And one of the things that you said that was really interesting was, you know, oftentimes we try to treat these problems with only psychology. Right. Right. And the psychiatrist. And there is a, a big problem in our culture as Catholics where we can spiritualize every problem. But we don't then go to the opposite side where we materialize or psychologize every problem. Right. And so you can identify deep wounds of brokenness, but you can't just leave it there because that's it, it is within our brokenness, within our personality defects, within our faults and failings, our histories, our families, that sin can take root and build a stronghold. So, yes, go to psychology, Go to go to the psychiatrist, go to counseling, go get the medications that you need to have an even temper or less anxiety or whatever it might be but also at the same time you're doing that because you need the freedom to uproot the sins that kind of grow up in and around those things and might even be the cause of those things yeah i think you know a great
1: example is and actually you introduced me to these people is the jp2 healing center Oh yeah. Bob Bob shoots. shoots, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they take the exact approach that I think you're talking about, which is look, fight sin, but also heal it, heal the wound where it's coming from. And I think that that's important because uh, there, there are going to be, you know, this is so interesting, you know, and and you brought up a, a good point when people start saying like, Oh, that's just the way she is. Or that's just the way he is. Okay. You know, that's not fitting of Christians. You know, like mm-hmm. God is a healer and God wants to heal that. Like we're not allowed to remain in bondage. We have to bring our wounds or to remain wounded. We have to bring our wounds to the healer and we want to do that. But it's a both and kind of thing. You know, I always talk about the, like when I talk about inner healing, I use this this diagram that has this tree, you know, and then it has shows all the roots of the tree. Yeah, And I think like, there's there's ways to approach it where all you're doing is chopping down the tree on the top of the of the surface, yeah. and and you're not getting to the roots. And then there's ways where you just get to the roots, but you've built uh, behaviors into yourself where you're not affecting the actual tree. And you have to fight both both of those things because it is both healing and discipline and obedience. It's both.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so as a Catholic, I would say um, we first need to start out with an understanding of what is sin. Sin is first and foremost an offense against God, right? It is an attack against God who desires nothing but the good, which is himself for you. And so it's a rejection. It is every sin, even the most minor sin on some level is a rejection against God's love for us. And every sin turns our heart away from God, not just mortal sin. Mortal sin is called mortus, right? death, deadly. It kills the life of charity within your heart right? It kills that life of charity that connects you to God. It is always a disobedience against your father. And the question is, okay, well, I can disobey my father because maybe my father's a drunk. Maybe my father's a tyrant. Maybe my father's a jerk, but God isn't, right? And so that's the, I think a lot of us, we struggle with the nature of sin because it feels like God's laws are impositions against my freedom, right? And that's the broken notion of freedom, the fallen notion of freedom is I want to do whatever I want, right? That, that's, what, that's not freedom. That's license. The ability to do whatever the heck I want, whenever the heck I want. And then you encounter a God who believes, who has a plan for your life. And by that, I mean to live a life conformed to his son. And that means that some of the stuff in your life that even you love has to be removed. And that's a type of death. And that's why Jesus said if anyone wants to be a disciple of mine, he must first take up his cross, deny himself, and follow me. Right? That death is the prereq for following Jesus.
1: Yeah. yeah. Can I can I zigzag slightly here? I feel, Ooh, I feel let's both zig and zigzag. I feel a prompting of the Holy Spirit here. And nice. which I never ever do. But I but I am <laughs> going to, to to say that right now. That, you know, I I have and I think you have. A healthy experience of mortal sin I have a un, a very very extensive experience of living in mortal sin and I want to say something to people like that out there you know there there there's a a point where you're living in habitual mortal sin where you feel comfortable being dead you really feel comfortable being dead and and there's a longing for life and there's a longing for freedom so let's say like you're trying maybe half you're trying 50% to get out of this uh, you know addiction or something like that what happens is the times in the beginning the times when you're experiencing these short amounts of freedom so you go to confession maybe you i don't know it could be any number of things you you have a few days where you're really like experiencing that freedom those become very difficult times that you don't like right because you're mm. not at peace there is going to be a certain amount of suffering of desert that you go through before you start to feel better in freedom and in life. Uh we get used to our captor and we get used to being dead and and I would just call anyone out there who is experiencing this, you know, just remind them that hey, the promised land does come eventually. It's not you're not going to die that way if you keep trying. You're going to die, you know, in in freedom and in liberty if you continue to throw yourself at the mercy of God um because you know it just it's a it's a strange thing where you become very comfortable living dead or walking dead, and you yeah. become very uncomfortable, very itchy
0: with the freedom that God offers to us, yeah, and Aristotle, I'm right, totally secular right he he calls us the undisciplined human nature, and i we've talked about this in the past, but the idea is if I know what's right but I don't yet desire it. Going the other way, giving into my lesser nature, what St. Paul would call the flesh, right? Not following the way of the spirit, but walking in the way of the flesh, the carnality, right? Turning towards sin, that feels right, even though I know it's wrong. But what happens is by repeatedly doing those acts that are wrong, even though uh, they might feel good or right or whatever, that then shifts. It, it hones our desires so much that it actually affects our reason to where we embrace it, right? This is what we call when reason be- is subordinated to emotions, reason becomes rationalization, right? Well, I deserve this. Well, I want this. Well, these are my desires. Well, this is who I am. Well, this is my truth. You can hear that a thousand yeah. different ways. Uh, yeah. Dave, I want to quote to you the catechism. Can I quote real quick to the catechism? To yeah, you? You, quote, you quote away. You quote away. Sixteen or 1865, excuse me. Sin creates a proclivity to sin. Right, that's huge. Sin creates a proclivity to sin. It engenders, oh, wait, what's this four letter word that starts with a V and ends with an ICE? it engenders vice by repetition of the same acts oh looks like michael gormley had the classical definition in his heart sorry Uh, dave no that's the new catechism
1: new the new
0: catechism (laughs) this results i'm about to go to the summa this results in perverse inclinations with which cloud conscience and corrupt the concrete judgment of good and evil thus sin tends to reproduce itself and reinforce itself but it cannot destroy the moral sense at its root Vices can be classified according to the virtues they oppose. When we sit there and we think about if I do the same thing wrong over and over again, I'm educating my desires. You can't command your emotions, but you can train them, right? You can't demand them, but you can train them. And drawing on that profound intellectual insight from Aristotle and Augustine and Thomas Aquinas, you see like the more we give in to venial sin, a million venial sins does not equal one mortal sin. But I can't think of a better way to pave the road to that more yeah, sin right, than right. by those million venial sins. So that's why when Dave was saying we got to declare this harem warfare, right the the ban put ourselves under the ban, right? And you got to go into the nooks and the crannies where where angels fear to tread, right? Like we got to go into those dark places, and we got to um, we we got to declare total war, right? Like there is no other way to do this that's the whole origin of the monastic tradition that's the whole origin of the of the um, hermetic tradition is i'm at war with myself yeah boom i love it
1: and being at war what happens is you start to find peace in wartime and so i i encourage you uh go to war go to war and be intentional about it be serious about it uh look at Every opportunity, not only as an opportunity to embrace Christ, but to leave behind what keeps us from embracing Christ. Every opportunity of grace is something like that.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Every, every offering of grace is a promise that your sin does not define you eternally. All right, we're going to kick it out to a commercial break from our good friends over at Ascension Press. When we come back, we are going to wrap up the show. We're going to wrap up some sin, uh, but uh, we would love to hear from you. Uh, Shoot us. Actually, you know what? Don't shoot us an email. I don't want any of your emails. What I want from you, and I'm begging you, is to go do a review on like iTunes or something. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, that would be awesome. If you were to write uh, a review, if you want to give us three stars or less, uh, maybe go get your haircut instead. Um, But if you want to give us a review... Uh, please do so over at iTunes. That's the biggest repository, but anywhere you listen to podcasts, that'd be awesome. All right, uh, we'll be right back. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ chose corrupt, broken,
1: imperfect sinful men to be the foundation of his church and because these broken and imperfect men chose to remain in relationship with Jesus they became saints and they were used by Jesus to transform hearts and minds 2,000 years later I invite you to check out my book Broken and Blessed where you'll find practical tools to overcome habitual sin to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ into a walk with an imperfect church toward a perfect God, who is calling all of us to perfection over time. To order the paperback book or audiobook, Broken and Blessed,
0: visit AscensionPress.com or Amazon. All righty, welcome back to Every Knee Shall Bow. We have some practical tips. Me and Dave are each going to give our number one tips for fighting. Uh you you want to say fighting besetting sin, Dave, or what? What do you want to do? Sure, we could do that if you want. Okay. So you will okay. probably pick okay.
1: pornography because you think that pornography is a besetting sin, even though it's
0: Yeah, and it's you're gonna a- pick and you're gonna pick smoking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh good times. Yeah. So no, you go first and then uh and then I'll make something up that sounds cooler than you. Great. Okay.
1: Um I would say my number one and, and I'm saying this this isn't objective, right? This is subjective, but for me would be Communion novenas, uh, communion novenas. So picking a particular sin, learning about that sin, learning about the corresponding virtue to that sin, and then uh, doing novenas, uh, Holy Communion novenas, in order to route that from our life
0: has been the most effective thing for me. What do you mean, Holy Communion novenas? What, what is that? What is yeah, that like? So,
1: like nine days in a row, okay. receiving Holy Communion for the express purpose of routing that sin from our life
0: huh i think you knew what
1: i meant i, I think you were just pushing no 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 i thought you meant i said one correction <laughs> in all 150 <laughs> episodes i corrected one time and and look and at what look- i it's called pride i'm working on
0: it it's a psychological <laughs> issue it's not maybe a you could
1: do a holy communion novena <laughs> <for> <laughs> well, that's
0: right well i thought you meant like there was like a particular novena that you say right well after. i have a,
1: i use i no, I do I do use a little book called a, a Novena of Holy Communions that I use. But, That's all uh, I'm saying. You don't have That's to. That's all I'm saying, baby. Yeah. What, who, <laughs> who came out with that book? I don't know. It's a tiny little booklet that I've had around since I was a kid. No, of course.
0: Papa, Papa, <laughs> I, I want to learn how to fight besetting sin. No, it wasn't it was not, not like, like that. that. I would give you this book <laughs> written by Garagou Lagrange in his own blood. No, it was not. <laughs> all right, so my number one tip is uh, I, because I want to step away from what Dave – I think Dave is absolutely correct – But I want to go in a different light. I'm going to say is community. I think, uh, you know, we have this great. great line. If you want to be forgiven, go to confession. If you want to be transformed, you got to go to community because the long haul process of uprooting sin, you will want to pretend like you're better than your sin and you're not, and you'll miss the blind spots. You'll miss what another person's eyes and ears can pick up. And so having someone that can, yes, I'm going to say it, hold you accountable, right? Yikes. making a public at least with one other person can be that thing that brings you freedom right i i think that's that's definitely an excellent remedy for sin boom, boom.
1: and seeing as seeing as how when i first met you you were steeped in vice and viciousness yeah. and now you're the saintly person that you are today i would say that my community with you has really changed yeah, a lot
0: and i got a, a sick deadlift <laughs> it's, it's sick it's sick uh all right ladies yeah. and gentlemen this has been Everything you shall bow your weekly catholic podcast on evangelization thank you all for joining us this is weird this is weird but it's beautiful we gotta uproot sin the church does not need another scandal am i right am i right yeah yeah god bless you all take care